All right, guys, we are here with the one, the only, Pauly from Pauly Sleepers. Um, it's just me tonight. Sean and Randy are very busy, so um, I'm here with Pauly. Pauly, how you doing, man? Great, Christian. It's uh, good to be on the cut. And uh, um, shout out to uh, the guys that tagged me in your tweet. You tweeted out, um, who would you like to see on the show? And a longtime fan of Pauly Sleepers from like literally the beginning uh, three years ago, uh, Wilson, R. Wilson, and then uh, Fantasy Football Hustler both tagged me. And uh, are you going to have Stoner on too? They, they tagged him. <laughs> yeah i he never i think we reached out to him i'm i'm not sure it got a little crazy there man i we did not expect the response that we got um i mean we tweeted back and forth with jake seeley um which kind of blew our minds a little bit uh i mean even tweeting back and forth with you and uh sigmund bloom from uh the football guys website yeah. i mean we we did not expect people to be so adamant about sigmund's awesome the all in kid, Jake, he'll do, he'll do your pot. He does a lot of pods, a lot of, you know, smaller mm-hmm. pods, just getting started out. He was actually scheduled to do my poly sleepers pod when it kind of uh, went off the rails and I had family mm-hmm. uh, issues and just decided to focus on family and, and, uh, and the pod dissolved, but I actually had him and Matt Waldman and uh, somebody else kind of big booked. So yeah, those, those guys are really cool about doing smaller pods. Reach out to the uh, footballers too, mm-hmm. um, Mike and, and Jason, and those guys will do them. So yeah, it's fun stuff. I I think probably some of the better pods I've listened to that have had big guests have been the uh, Jake Seeley. He, he's he's really really good. Yeah, yeah, we were fairly excited. I mean, obviously, we're very excited to have you on as well, Paulie. I don't, I don't mean to uh, discredit all of your work um, <laughs> by mentioning the other guys, but very excited to have you on. Um, so let's, are you cool if we just jump right into it? I can yeah, kick off it, with man. a question. Sounds great. Um, so we're fairly new to the fantasy Twitter community. We're actually less than a year old in terms of our Twitter um, and our podcast. So we kind of don't know where Pauly Sleepers uh, originated, where it comes from. Um, give us some history, Pauly. Yeah, that's a good, I mean, I, I like talking about that. I've been asked that before. And uh, it literally started from me watching, I won't name names, but um, a a bad podcast on YouTube that I thought, I could do better than that. Um, and at the time I was into uh, DFS really strong and I literally woke up the next morning in my t-shirt, one cup of coffee in me and held the phone out and recorded myself doing a, uh, a DFS DraftKings um, little bit. And it, it started on YouTube. So I was, it was just me on YouTube for um several episodes and then a buddy of mine Jackson Mears got involved who uh uh runs my website um and then we got involved with Juice in the Morning who's a big podcast here in Indianapolis that does all different kinds of topics but he wanted to do a once a week segment uh for 4 weeks going into the fantasy playoffs and uh that's when Pauly Sleepers podcast kind of formed and he liked it so much, we came back the next year, and it was a thing. It wasn't just a segment on his podcast. It was my own podcast. Then Twitter started. I've been on Twitter now. This is my third season. Um, got involved with the Undroppables recently uh, with that big group, um, which is really blowing up. So that's where it started. It just started with me doing a daily fantasy football YouTube Um just kind of deciding that, hey, you know, I, I could do it better than than some of these guys. So <laughs> that's that's awesome. Um, so now, <laughs> now talk yourself up. Do you think your first, your very first video that you did was better than the bad podcast that you won't mention? <laughs> do you think it was better? Um, it it really it really wasn't. No. <laughs> It wasn't, you know, because I'm I'm holding the phone away from me and and recording it. But um, I did actually call some really good hits for for DraftKings and the lineup that I talked about hit. And then 
week two kind of started my first big like plant my flag on a guy. I had drafted Alvin Kamara in my redraft league of record, and I had drafted him in the first dynasty league I had ever been in and saw him get eight touches week one. And on week two, I talked about him week two, week three, week four, kept saying this is this is the guy that's going to fit Sean Payton's offense. And, and at that time, Adrian Peterson was still there. But um, – so, God, about that. you know, it probably quality, you know, watching it quality wise wasn't that good. But um, the Alvin Kamara call week two of his rookie season was something that, you know, you can hang your hat on. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say definitely something to be proud of. And honestly, I, I feel as though most people think that um, content is better than quality anyway if if you're giving out good content you can deal with some bad quality um luckily you don't hold your phone out anymore and it, it's not an <laughs> issue for you so. right 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 well you want to have a good balance you know i i the the footballers uh are are my idols and and they i don't think get credit for the content you know they are constantly ranked in the top five and top ten uh, for rankers. And, uh, I mean, you've got Jason a couple of years ago saying Ron Riviera likes a workhorse back draft Christian McCaffrey, you know, and that worked out pretty well. I don't think they get the, uh, the credit they deserve for being very good, but it's because they're so entertaining as well. Right. Um, so ideally you want to have a good mixture of the two. And, uh, we've only done two unscripted podcasts for the undroppables, but, the second one, um, we had a lot more com- chemistry. It came out a couple of days ago, and uh, it was definitely funny. It went off the rails, and uh, <laughs> it was so. Um, we've gotten some good fe- feedback there from not only the content but the uh, the entertainment value. I think you got to have both. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's get into some actual 2020 fantasy relevant questions. Um, so we actually put out a tweet that actually blew up we had quite a few responses we wanted to know what your followers want to hear from you and uh, we got quite a few responses so we're going to sprinkle those in so i'll start with at j money jarrett um he wants to know how you deal with committee backfields everywhere yeah that's a good question and uh you know it's it's the reality of what we do it's um more and more relevant every year i think what you have to do is you have to place extreme high value in those very few workhorse backs that are in the league. Um, You also have to look at the few guys that are getting the volume that may not have the PPR upside, like Derek Henry and Nick Chubb, because they're kind of in a volume tier of their own as well. Then when you kind of go past that, you need to look at PPR upside as much as you can, the pass catching upside, assuming that's your format. I'm thinking 85% of people are at least in a, in a half PPR f- format, if not full. I think most of mine are full. So going down the line, Alvin Kamara and Kenyon Drake and, uh, you know, guys like that have uh, more value. And then later on, uh, you know, James White, Tariq Cohen, you got to get those guys that if you have to plug and play them in your flex, you know you're going to get that guaranteed PPR upside. And um, you got to read the tea leaves. We talk about it all the time. You know, when you look at these camp battles and positional battles, you got to make sure you're planting your flag on Boston Scott and not Michael Warren or, (laughs) you know, um, Tony Pollard and not Mike Weber. Um, And Alexander Madison and not Mike Boone. Now I might catch some flack for that because Boone profiles really well. And he was pretty, pretty good with his touches, but I still believe Alexander Madison is the uh, handcuff to own there. So you got to nail your handcuffs. You got to see your PPR upside. And when you're making trades, um, whether it's redraft or dynasty, you got to hold on to your studs and make sure that if you're giving up a stud, you're getting one in return. Or if you're playing Dynasty and you're giving up a stud, you're getting multiple first-round picks and making sure that you... The thing I don't see enough is guys shopping big players. All of a sudden, I'll see that Christian McCaffrey got traded in one of my leagues, and I'm like, Jesus, like mm-hmm. put him on the block and let us all know, and then let me make an offer. I, I think a right. lot of guys uh, fall into the trap of going, oh, that's a good offer, and they take it for their stud. 
yeah. without shopping their guys. So might've got off, uh, off handle a little bit there, but I hope I answered the question. Oh yeah, you d- you did perfectly. And it, I'm actually going to go off, off the rails here a little bit too. Um, <laughs> I am sorry, but uh, you mentioned grabbing handcuffs and really nailing down which handcuffs you are, are backing like your Madison's and your Pollard's. How important do you think it is um, just in a redraft league, for example, to roster that handcuff being basically those two um, with Pollard almost being a guaranteed top 10 fantasy back if Zeke goes down and then with Madison with Dalvin Cook's contract situation? How would you value grabbing those in the later rounds? Uh, Very much so. and you don't have to you don't have to handcuff all your guys. Um, right. you know, you need depth. So whether your depth is coming from somebody else's handcuff or or whatever, uh, uh sometimes the snipe on the opposing player's handcuff could could yield better trade value. So that needs to be taken into consideration as well, but I think that Madison and Tony Pollard are the two really must handcuff guys and you'll get a lot of differing views on that. I don't know if you know Hilo uh, on Twitter at Hilo. Um, he's really, so. really, really good. Analytical. He doesn't really believe in handcuffs. He believes in depth and taking depth whenever he can and feels like guys that try to get handcuffs end up getting them too early, um, you know, overdrafting them, worrying too much about them. So there's different schools of thought, but uh, I, I would definitely get those two guys. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. We've got to touch on it because we don't know, like like I said, we're fairly new, so we don't know the, the backstory behind the Chris Herndon is a lie line that's in your Twitter bio. Um, so the question is, how out on Chris Herndon are you, and are you willing to ever jump back on that bandwagon if he does hit? You know, really, Chris Herndon deserves to punch me in the face if he ever does get a chance. <laughs> I've talked so much shit about that poor man. I'm not really out on him. It kind of started as a funny thing in a tweet. And you'll see people tag me anytime anybody talks about Chris Herndon. Just put him in the search bar and then look through the comments. I guarantee you somebody's <laughs> tagged me. It's it's because his season was just so strange last year. I mean, do you realize that he finished the season with two targets and one catch? And my joke was, you know, that guy had a helmet on. Do we even really know that was Chris Herndon? Um, And at one point, they showed him working out, but it was like this shot that looked like it was taken from a satellite or the Goodyear blimp or something. It was all fuzzy. So I said that this was like, you know, the Sasquatch video. (laughs) Um, So it just started as this big joke that Chris Herndon is a lie. Chris Herndon is a myth. Because he was suspended for four games. Then he had a hamstring injury that lingered through four or five games. Then he came back and and broke a rib. So he got those two targets. I think that was week 10 against Tampa Bay, if I remember correctly. And he broke a rib and then got put on IR. So um, I'm not really out on him. I mean, he did... um, he did have a decent rookie season. Uh, he finished as the tight end 20 um, with eight PPR points per game, which is pretty good for a rookie. He profiles pretty well, but there's so many guys in that kind of second tier that I like that it's not that I'm out on him. And I say that you, you know, he's on my do not draft list, but I'm, I'm much more likely to draft. Jacecki, Jonu Smith, or even Jack Doyle um, than him. So, yeah, it's kind of a joke. Um, uh, and also, I, I roster Ryan Griffin in, like, all of my dynasty leagues because he's the backup <laughs> there, and they actually did re-sign him last year. So uh, if Chris Herndon has that crazy year again, uh, Griffin will be <laughs> number one. <laughs> yeah, and then you're, you're benefiting double because – You've got your Chris Herndon hate and your Griffin on your dynasty. That's perfect. <laughs> right, right. I apologize, Chris Herndon. You don't deserve that. Not the thing. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I held him through the suspension and then the first injury, and then I cut ties too. So 
I'm with you, but also I feel like I might draft him this year because if he looks like he did his rookie year, he's worth it, but might snag Griffin with the last round pick anyway. All right, next question. Sorry, off the rails. No, it's um, fine. So there's a lot of buzz behind all of these rookie receivers. Of course, it's it's uh, the rookie buzz time in terms of a lot of dynasty drafts going on. Um, and just a lot of overdrafting of rookies, especially with how they tend to finish. If you had to guess right now, who do you think has a better career out of the two speed guys, Jalen Rager and Henry Ruggs? Um, I'm going with Rager, um, and I'm not a Ruggs hater by any means. Um, It's kind of interesting that they drafted the fastest guy in the draft now that Al, Al Davis is dead. And they're still <laughs> drafting the speed. Um, a little side note, if you look up Jim Jacks on Twitter, he's a really big personality. He was on my podcast, and he's huge fans of uh, of the Raiders and actually uh, friends of the um, Davis family. And he told a story that Marcus Allen, um, their scouts really, really, really wanted Marcus Allen, and they lied to Al Davis about his 40 times so they could draft him. Because he ran a he ran a four five nine, which doesn't really jump off the page, um, and uh, I think they told him that he ran a four four three, and because uh, they just knew he was going to be great, and he obviously was. Um, right. So, kind of a side note there. I like Rager. I like that. Um, to me, he will possibly have the top targets in the position on that team, and with the Raiders, you've got. Edwards, who was also drafted, who is a great uh, rookie wide receiver. They drafted Brian Edwards as well. They've got Hunter Renfro that is has definitely earned playing time last year, had a breakout year. Darren Waller there, who kind of plays like a hybrid tight end wide receiver. Um, Tyrell Williams, who probably is going to see a lot less playing time this year. But my point is... Um, I think Wentz is a better quarterback. Um, Carr gets shit on a lot for being worse than he is. So I'm not a Carr hater either. But um, you've got Rager who's studying with uh, Deshaun Jackson right now to learn his position and learn from him. So Deshaun, I mean, who's unfortunately always had injuries, you know, derail what could be an unbelievable career. Um, has Flash as an amazing wide receiver, and I like that he's going to be learning from him. Um, I like the tape. Um, to me, he kind of looks like Calvin Ridley out there. Uh, player profiler has him comped to uh, Christian Kirk. It's a pretty good comp as well. Um, Roto Underworld, those guys are pretty good at Dynasty, um, and they're all over Rager as well. Um, actually, they had a recent podcast uh the case for rager over judy um and then um the first time they talked about him uh they talked about how he checks all the boxes um so i don't have rager ahead of judy he's actually my wide receiver three in dynasty but uh rugs is a little further down the list like maybe number six or seven um injuries happen lots of things happen it's hard to say who's going to have the better career but i think philly is very thirsty for a profile, you know, premier wide receiver with Alshon hurt and possibly, you know, starting the season on the pup with Deshaun Jackson, definitely, you know, in his later, I mean, he's like 35 now, I think. Um, I think the, uh, the time is right and all the stars are aligning for him to uh, break out. So. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. I can't disagree too much. Those are two guys that I think, their games are built on speed. Um, and I think if Rager had a different quarterback in college, I think we'd be talking about him in a different light here and there. Um, yeah. Cause he but, was TCU, right? So he didn't, yeah. uh, I don't know who the quarterback there was, but he wasn't anything he wasn't good. Uh, special. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he went to TCU. You're right. He, he probably would, uh, uh, would be a little bit higher up the ladder if he had gone to, you know, even Clemson or Alabama or, or, you know, one of the bigger schools. Right. All right. So that's a little bit of touching on some dynasty. Let's 
switch gears to redraft for a second. So per fantasy data, we've got Austin Eckler being drafted as RB16 right now, which feels low, by the way. Um, and Aaron Jones being drafted as RB8. Out of those two guys, who do you think has the biggest bust potential? Just based solely on those ADPs, but also based on the workload that they'll likely receive in 2020. Yeah, I actually looked up fantasy football calculator because you said that seemed low. It seemed really low to me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got um, Aaron Jones a couple spots down, actually. They've got him like number 10, but they also have Eckler number 16. Um, wow. I don't get it. I mean, I guess it could be the uncertainty with quarterback there. Um, but um, Tyrod is a running uh, mobile quarterback. And I mean, he, I think when he was in his prime, he's good for, you know, 500 yards, five touchdowns, kind of like what Mitch Trubisky showed us two years ago and then didn't do last year. Um, that's good for rushing Quarterbacks are good for running backs, and uh, Eckler's got the contract. He's got the receiving chops. He's got the PPR upside. I I can't imagine waiting to number sixteen to draft him in redraft. I won't be in a ton of redraft leagues, but I mean, I grab gladly grab him like number twelve. Really, yeah. Um. So Aaron Jones is would be the higher bus candidate there, being drafted number eight overall with seventeen touchdowns last year. There's a there's a negative regression um, likely coming there, especially with A.J. Dillon probably taking some goal line touches. Uh, Dillon is just a smash mouth guy. Um, so I like Aaron Jones. I don't think I would take him number eight overall. I would definitely be more likely to take Eckler way ahead of his spot and uh, and feel real comfy there. So I, I don't think he has a very high bust rate at all, and, and Jones does. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely fair. Um, like I said, I was, I was fairly surprised to see Eckler falling so low recently. I wonder it, it must be the the uncertainty at quarterback and knowing that Phil Rivers loves to dump off, but it makes me yeah, love it's him. gotta be, I mean, you know, Joshua Kelly, they drafted and then they've got Justin Jackson. Those guys will get some in between the tackles work, but so will Eckler. And he's got that big PPR upside where he could catch, you know, 80 plus balls, um, that there's a real safe feeling there in a PPR format drafting that guy. I mean, if he, he falls in any of my drafts, I'll, I'll take him. There's not much risk. There's not much, much risk at that spot. Right. All right, let's move on. So our guy, Kylo Ron, he actually is a contributor for our site. He's been writing some awesome articles. Um, but he responded to that tweet as well and wants to know how you feel about going uh, zero QB in super flex leagues. Uh, yeah, he probably has seen some of the drafts that I've done. I know Kylo from Twitter really well. We, we interact a lot. Um, real good guy. Um, I like it's, it's a dangerous slope, but I did this and I was very successful doing it last year. Um, I won seven of the 21 dynasty startups that I did last year doing a no quarterback early uh, situation. I actually broke the mold this year and uh, traded up for the one Oh two when I had the one Oh one and I started out Mahomes and Lamar Jackson just to see what it would feel like. And wow. uh, <laughs> I don't like the depth on that team. Um, I like grabbing the position guys early for me. It's about um, value over replacement. I mean, obviously if you can get one of those guys, go ahead, but especially if you're drafting towards the middle or later um, in the rounds, um, I got to go for the, you know, for the positional guys. I got to go for the skill position guys because having that top wide receiver, top running back, top tight end to me um, is so important. And I can scramble later and come up with a quarterback that's going to score close enough to your quarterback that if I had taken the quarterback earlier, you know, I'm in much, much um, bigger trouble trying to scramble for, you know, a tr- you know, having that true running back one be, you know, James Conner and 
David Montgomery are your running backs, you know, and your wide receivers are Robert Woods and Tyler Lockett, you know, are like your top two guys if you've possibly, if you've gone QB heavy early. So I always wait. And last year waited and got, you know, Lamar Jackson in the seventh, eighth, ninth round, Dak Prescott, 10th. Um, Kirk Cousins is usually good for a ninth, 10th, 11th round pick. Matt Ryan, you can get later. Um, you could fill out your roster much later with Ryan Tannehill and Teddy Bridgewater, Jarrett Stidham, those guys. Um, I'm fine having an unsexier, you know, quarterback core um, to have the top position guys. So that's the way I do it. And uh, it's scary. I mean, I, I've been in drafts and had guys go, Paulie hasn't taken a quarterback yet, you know, and they've all got two or three, um, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's a scary slope, but it's one that I've been very, very successful with. Yeah. You sold me, man. I, uh, I actually, we're in, in the middle of a startup draft right now. I took Watson and then I waited and I waited and I waited and then I pulled the trigger on Drew Brees knowing that I have like one or two years out of him. Um, assuming I could get a young guy and then there was a quarterback run. I started it. It's my fault, but now I'm looking at Watson Haskins and breeze. So and, and Haskins is a great lake pickup in dynasty leagues. Um, if you look at uh, terminator, who's also on the unscripted podcast and in the undroppables, he was talking about him um, either today or yesterday on Twitter in response to a tweet. We talked about him on, our podcast this week, he um, definitely looked better towards the end of the last season. Um, he's He's got the athletic profile. He's got a young group of guys to throw to. He's got that chemistry with Terry McLaurin. Um, he's got the running backs. If Darius Geis could stay healthy, he's got a, you know him. And they drafted Antonio Gibson. You've got old man Adrian Peterson ready to run over dudes. Um, <laughs> and the defense is okay, um, which I don't mind having a guy like that that I know isn't going to be salting away the game in the fourth quarter and running the clock out, you know, somebody that's going to be throwing the whole game. I think you're going to be really happy with Haskins as your quarterback three. I uh, I highly recommend, and anybody who, you know, DMs me about how to draft Dynasty, and I, I get it a lot, you know, they'll ask about, who to get and and what to do for Superflex, I say you got to get three starters. So I'll likely have three, you know, starters, but maybe not the top, top, top sexy guys. But uh, man, I I think you're going to be happy with Haskins at the end there. I really, really am. I think he's going to make the leap. I hope so. He's looking in shape now, which is... He dropped like 20 pounds. Yeah. Uh, So I think he went from like 235 to 214. He's ready to move around and he's been throwing for months with uh, McLaurin and Kelvin Harmon uh, to get chemistry down. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's not going to be a QB1, but he's a great QB3 for Superflex. Yeah, plus I have the stack with McLaurin, so I'm I'm feeling good. (laughs) Um, All right, let's actually, I'm going to go off the rail one more time because since we're talking about quarterbacks right now, um, we have kind of a running... Uh, argument I guess on on our podcast about Matthew Stafford and we asked Sigmund Bloom this last week um so if you look at his eight game or his 16 game pace based on his eight games last year he was about to throw for about 5,000 yards and close to 40 touchdowns so I made the comment to the other guys that's an elite pace like that was quarterback top three quarterback worthy how do you feel about Stafford, knowing that he's coming off a kind of recurring back injury, um, and then I guess expanding on that, how much of a sample size do you need to project out for the next year? <clears throat> yeah, some people don't like that. You know, uh, projecting a season out. I think eight's a pretty good. I think eight's a pretty good number when when you start talking about four or five. You know, that gets kind of ridiculous. I mean, eight's half a season. Um, he's had tons of, you know, 4,800-yard, 4,600-yard, 35-touchdown, 32-touchdown. You know, he was knocking on the door of, of probably his best season. But he's had seasons close enough to where you can't say, oh, yeah, that's he's not going to 
you know, he's not going to throw for 5,040. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's almost hit that a few times. Um, he's got a right. great group of pass catchers there with uh, Galladay, Marvin Jones. Uh, you got Hawkinson, if he could stay healthy. The back does scare me a little bit. Um, I didn't share this on Twitter because I didn't have the source, um, but I had the source of a source. And the night before he missed that first game, um, this guy texted me uh, on uh, in my DMs or whatever and said that he was going to miss the week and to adjust accordingly and that his back injury was worse than they had thought and probably won't play the rest of the year. And um, that worried me a little bit because he's had back injuries before. Um, I mean, you know, they play a violent game. Sometimes you just can't worry about that. You know, it's in the back of my mind. I'm not fading him because of that, but it's in the back of my mind that he's had back issues in the past. But, man, dude's a stud. I think that um, he could have definitely had a career year, and he could, definitely could have been in the top five. Absolutely. Good stuff. That's what I like to hear. Randy's on the other side. Well, <clears throat> let me clarify. Randy's not on the other side. He he does love Stafford. He just isn't willing to throw that elite term around because uh, <laughs> I apparently throw it around too loosely. but. That's okay. Well, I mean, there's a difference between saying he's a, an elite quarterback and he was on pace to have an elite season, right. um, I think. Um, now, in 2018, he threw for 3,800 yards and 21 touchdowns. So, I mean, yeah. he almost had as many touchdowns in eight games as he had in 16 the year before that. So that was a heck of a um, – a heck of a leap there. Um, <laughs> absolutely. And I mean, some of his better years, I'm looking it up here, 4,730, 5,022, 5,000. I mean, in 2011, he threw for 5,041. I'm sorry. Right. So yeah, he's, he's already done that. So yeah, you can't <laughs> say that somebody's not going to do something they've already done. Right. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Uh, sorry for going off the rails again. I no, just had to get right. that in <laughs> and I'm going to pull the audio and show it to Randy before we post this. So. <laughs> That's um, all right. Our podcast is unscripted. We have like one topic and then we just start talking football. So there's really no such thing as off the rails in my uh, world. Cause that's really everything we do is off the rails. That's fun stuff. All right, let's move on to uh, the AFC North. Deontay Johnson has been getting a crazy amount of buzz on Twitter. He's rising in drafts. His ADP is shooting up. Um, but, and someone pointed this out a couple weeks ago, did one of those, guess who this receiver is? It ended up being James Washington. He's trying together a few solid weeks at the end of the year. And he's currently going three and a half rounds or 35 spots, give or take, um, behind Deontay, which guy between Deontay and James Washington are you valuing more in dynasty so long term and then are you on the Deontay hype train with everyone Uh, I am actually um, I went on record last year and said that he would outplay James Washington in the summer Um, you probably know the ball blast girls Mm -hmm. Um, me and Michelle we're banging the Deontay Johnson drum early and often. Big, big, big fan. Um, but James Washington has his worth. I mean, he's going that much later. Um, you could argue that he is a better value. Um, I was kind of breaking down what they did. Um, you know, Deontay Johnson, his big um, kind of claim to fame last year was his separation. So um, he was number one in the league in uh, target separation at 2.39 yards. So, and he got about the same amount of targets per game pace. He had 92 targets. Um, and in one less game, James Washington had 79, but um, he had a bunch more catches. There's, sh- you know, there's shorter routes. I think his average depth of target was 10 yards and James Washington's was like almost 15. Um, James Washington to me is a really good best ball target. He's a really good target. If um, 
we do all sleeper leagues. Me and and the crew are pretty much one hundred percent sleeper, and they have a forty yeah. yard uh, play bonus. And Deontay Johnson had one play of over forty yards, and James Washington had five. Um, <laughs> so you always got to look at your scoring settings, and if you do have a, a team or a league that has that bonus um, play set up. You've got to adjust your rankings a little bit there for James Washington. Um, he was number 17 in the league um, with 24 deep targets, according to Player Profiler, which I think they justify deep targets as like 25 yards or more. Um, uh, a lot less catches on his targets. Um, so Deontay is much better for PPR. I, I like Deontay a lot. I think he's going to separate himself a little bit more um, this year from James Washington, but uh, Washington can still be a great value considering how much later he's going. Yeah, for sure. I I wonder, because Juju was fairly irrelevant last year, at least in terms of where he was drafted, how he was hyped, obviously they dealt with Ben Roethlisberger going down. Um, do you think that all three of those guys can have fantasy relevance this year, assuming Ben stays healthy? Uh, yes, but um, Deontay and James will be more spotty, spot starts, um, you know, probably not plug-and-play guys. Um, but I could see a situation where you've got a wide receiver one and two wide receiver twos on that team for sure. Um, guys, a couple guys flirting with a thousand yards, um, and then and then the other guy separating himself from the pack. I mean, I could see Juju putting up another fifteen, sixteen hundred yard season easily, um, and those guys both flirting around a thousand. Um, like I said, with uh, Deontay having a little bit more PPR value, and James Washington having a little bit more, and especially because Ben likes to throw the ball deep, um, I think he'll have the little bit more of a high ceiling, low floor. Good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry. I, I keep throwing you curveballs. Um, I know you said your, yours is unscripted, so you're used to it, but <laughs> no, um, I'm here to talk about football and not just things that I've researched for this show. I, 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 <laughs> should, I should be able to talk about anything you want to talk about to some degree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's stick with the AFC North here. Uh, as all of our listeners know, we're, fairly big Browns fans, uh, very diehard. And we've had a lot of passionate discussions about Baker Mayfield because he did disappoint quite a bit, especially because he was being, I would say overdrafted as like quarterback four and five at, at times last year. So do you think that he's going to regress back to his rookie season? Is he just a shitty quarterback? Is he somewhere in the middle? Um, what are you looking for? from Baker this year somewhere in the middle. And uh, I don't think you could fault him for what happened last year. Um, you have your former offensive coordinator. Now it's, it's come out that he was pretty public about how that system wasn't working. Um, it was the offensive line. It, you know, they wanted to go downfield. They wanted to get the ball to Odell's. They wanted to um, have some more longer developing plays with, five, six, seven step drops. And the offensive line wasn't sustaining that at all. The poor kid um, didn't have the time to go through his progressions. Uh, the pocket collapsed early. Um, really, I could see that happening in Carolina if they force the verticals too soon on Teddy Bridgewater because they have a similar offensive line situation. And we've talked about that on, on our unscripted podcast too. But, you know, you've got a new regime now. You've got um, Alex Van Pelt. You've got uh, Stefanski, right? And mm -hmm. Stefanski's going to call the plays. I mean, Alex Van Pelt's the new OC. But I see that kind of as a situation like what they have in Chicago where Nagy's going to continue to call the plays and their new OC is Bill Lazar, who's kind of a quarterback's coach. Um because Alex Van Pelt is really a quarterback's coach. So that new OC has been brought in to uh, help Baker Mayfield. He was with Cincy, and then he was with uh, – Alex Van Pelt was with 
uh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay for four years, and Aaron Rodgers was very vocal when they let him go. Um, he was mad that he wasn't consulted. He hadn't heard anything about it. Um, he came out in the press and, and expressed his disbelief and his discomfort. And, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't the type of guy to talk highly about somebody if he didn't have an impact on him. <laughs> so, um, obviously he was a big fan. So I could see, uh, Van Pelt, um, bringing Mayfield up. And then you guys did some great things to shore up that offensive line that we talked about. Uh, you drafted Jack or I'm sorry, you got Jack Con- Conklin in free agency. He was, uh, uh, Stud for the Titans uh, last year was a pro ball and first team all pro uh, played all 16 games. Three of his four years, he did have a season in 18 where he only played nine games. Um, but you've got a, you've got an all pro pro bowl guy there um, to shore up that line. And then you drafted uh, Jedrick Willis um, with your early first round pick. And he's from Alabama, big dude. Uh, he was a four-star recruit out of high school um started as a true freshman um only allowed one quarterback sack and one quarterback hit through all 15 games in 18 only allowed one quarterback sack and uh two hurries in all of 19 um so this guy profiles really well um as a uh draft prospect he also picked up a guy Nick Harris in the 5th round from uh, Minnesota so um one at least really good draft prospect and then one very good free agent hit. There's not a lot of good offensive linemen in the league. There's not enough. And your line was just horrible last year. I think that those two guys could really um, settle that. Now, part of the question was what's Baker Mayfield's, you know, ceiling or whatever prospects. Um, I think you have to temper it a little bit because um, Stefanski's going to want to run and it's going to be a lot of Chubb and Hunt. And maybe a tighter game. It's going to be twelve personnel, a shorter, um, shorter field, um, shorter routes. Uh, they kept Najoku and draft or uh, picked up Austin Hooper in free agency. So you've got those two guys for the twelve personnel. I think Odell could suffer again, um, being that they're going to run that system, and I think uh, you know not throw the ball downfield as much. Um, maybe use him more as a decoy. I mean, I don't think he's going to bust, but I don't think he has, you know, top five potential in that system. Um, And I don't think Baker Mayfield has top five potential either. And you're right. He was being overdrafted last year, big time, but your team brought in all these shiny new toys and everybody just went ape shit, you know, that, (laughs) uh, and he was coming off of a great year, but um, man, you gotta, you gotta do something about the line. And that's what they did this year. I love what they did with the line. I love bringing in uh, Van Pelt to uh, help Mayfield along and um, putting that second round tender on Kareem Hunt. Um, you've got the the most underrated guy in fantasy football at the position uh, is Jarvis Landry. I mean, yep. I don't I don't know what his ADP is, but it's it's not enough. <laughs> Never is. <laughs> right. It's always you know, six or spots lower than like his average finish. Like he's a, you know, wide receiver 13 to 16 and he'll get drafted 21 or something, you know, 23. It's just uh, ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm excited for your team this year. Are you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually was the one that was most critical of Baker because there were times last year where I think your sentiment about the offensive line was correct. And I think it, it damaged him more mentally than it did physically because I think he was he was bailing out of clean pockets at times last year. Really, and I think yeah. So well, he gun shy, so the exactly. pocket collapses enough to where you've then you get that false flag where it, it's it's clean and he's still running away from it. Yeah, I'm sure you watched more Browns football than I did, so oh, this yeah. is an interesting <laughs> take because I can mm-hmm. remember him just getting killed. In a lot of clean pockets, but in a lot of collapsing pockets, but uh, yeah, I'm that sure happened that happened too. as well. Yeah, <laughs> I I think towards the end of the year, the line actually was playing better than they had, but it was it was too far gone. And it, Baker's not an air raid quarterback, like you said. I mean, 
he was pretty vocal about how the system wasn't working. That's because that's not what Baker does. I mean, he's supposed to be accurate and and concise with his throws, and he wasn't given the opportunity last year, as you alluded to. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. West Coast, uh, more of a West Coast style, shorter routes. I think that'll benefit him. It'll hurt his ceiling a little bit, especially being so run-centric. Um, mm-hmm. I like him as a quarterback 10, and I think that's where I have him in Dynasty, mm-hmm. and that's probably where I'll have him in redraft rankings as well, honestly, right around the 9 or 10 spot. A Good solid low-end QB one. Yeah. Awesome. So we talked about our favorite team. Um, let's actually move on to yours. We know you're a Colts fan, and uh, we know that especially because we had uh, at Wilson 27. Uh, I believe R. Wilson is is the actual name on Twitter, but um, he's been a, a huge follower. You actually mentioned him earlier in the show. He's actually just hopped on our bandwagon. He's super excited. He entered our listener league uh, contest. So (laughs) we're not going to promise that he gets in or anything, but we're hoping he gets in because he's been very supportive since, since joining us. I'm sure he's DM'd you and asked him, asked you what he can do to get in the league. I know how he works. Absolutely. He loves getting in listener leagues. He was in mine as well. He's a great guy. Uh, Absolutely. Good stuff. Uh, so he actually he asked a few questions, and the one we really liked and, and wanted to ask you, who is your favorite Colts player to watch? And I assume he means all time, of all time. I thought he meant just now. Okay. Um, all time would be tough because you've got Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis and Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and – Manning and Edron James and Marshall Falk and oh man, oh god! I mean, I thought he went right now, and and okay. I, I thought immediately thought of uh, Darius Leonard. Um, it okay. would be, it would be hard to choose between him and Quentin Nelson because they're both so good at what they do, and they were both all pros as a rookie, uh, as rookies. Uh, but Darius is just, he's just an angry man out there. He's all over the place. He can cover, he can, uh, he can rush, he can, um, quarterback that, that whole defense. Um, that's right now to me, he's the most important position on that team besides quarterback. 100%. Yeah. I, I love that pick. And I actually think that when it's all said and done, he could challenge that that all-time list that you just uh, went through. I, I think he's outstanding. I hope, so. I hope so. I really do. I mean, what he did um, his first two years is amazing, and he's going to continue to get better. Um, just love that we drafted those guys. Uh, I got a trivia question for you. The Colts sure. drafted Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard, and they were both all pros as a rookie. When's mm-hmm. the last time a team – drafted two rookies and they were all pros two rookies and they were all pros let's see um it has to be is it within my lifetime i'm fairly young um probably not <laughs> hmm. i don't know you gotta I, I don't even have a good guess here yeah it was uh it was the chicago bears in like 1983 oh wow <laughs> And Holy that, crap. That's the only other time it's ever happened. So to draft two rookies and ha- and have them be um you know not pro bowlers but all pros that's they're voted the best at their position is is quite it's, amazing. Uh thanks Wilson for the question and uh Polly Sleepers loves you buddy. <laughs> yeah, and and we also love you over here at the cut. Um like I said, new to the bandwagon, hope he, he stays on the bandwagon and Oh, he will. I'm super loyal. Super loyal guy. Good stuff. All right. So let's stick with the Colts. Um, I've seen a lot of Paris Campbell love. So can you fill in the blank for me here? Paris Campbell will finish as the wide receiver blank in 2020. Um, honestly, it'll probably be like wide receiver 24. Okay. Uh, just right outside the wide receiver twos. Um he didn't get a chance to develop as a rookie from all of his injuries. And um, you've got a new quarterback in town and uh, a, 
a new opportunity for him. Um, and, and I love the guy. Um, I had a thread in April of 19 that I pulled up after we drafted him. Uh, he led uh, Ohio State with 90 receptions his senior year, broke the school record. He was tied for uh, second among wide receivers with a 6.21 draft gra- uh, grade on NFL.com. He was tied for second at the combine with a 4.3140. He was third uh, in the vertical at 40. Um, and uh, he was 96% spark score, 96% speed score, 97% burst. Um, you know, definitely profiles as a speedster, right? Um, but you got to look at that vertical too, you know, not just a speedster, but a guy that can uh, go up and get the ball. Um, he's got a bit of a, a knock for being injury prone, and, and it's kind of not fair here his first year. Um, I was going to bring up something that our undroppables um, doctor talked about, and uh, you can maybe edit some of this out while I find it. Okay. So um, Adam Hutchinson is the is the PT doc for the undroppables, and uh, he was listening to Indianapolis Sports Radio with uh, Dan Dockich and Paris Campbell was on there talking about his sports hernia that caused him to miss a big chunk of 2019. It actually occurred while he was at Ohio state as possibly even a junior. He didn't make that too clear, but it sounded like he had the injury for a while. Um, It seems like it was a chronic issue that went undiagnosed. um, According to Adam, um, this should really change people's perception of the injury prone label. Um, and he had a foot fracture. He had a uh, hand metacarpal fracture that required surgery. Um, and he had an ankle sprain. All that added up ankle, hand, foot, the, the core injury to not very good production. You can't look at his metrics. You can't look at, you know, what he did points per route run, you know, throw all that out the window. Cause the dude was really, really hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been working out and uh, he's going to be, uh, he was the first of two guys to work out with rivers, him and Jack Doyle. So he's out there. Uh, he's fully healthy. Um, I think he'll be a, a, a wide receiver too, but maybe towards the back end of the wide receiver two range. And the, you know, 50 catches for 600 yards and six touchdowns type thing. It's really hard to say. He's got to stay out on the field. But none of those injuries should lead you to think that he is injury prone by any means. Um, Very excited to see him out there. Very excited to see Michael Pittman Jr. out there. That's Um, my guy. Because he actually profiles more size-wise as the guys that Phillip Rivers always, you know, top target. Vincent Jackson, Malcolm Floyd, Antonio Gates, Keenan Allen. Literally every single one of Philip Philip Rivers' seasons, except for one when Antonio Gates went down and Danny Woodhead was the top guy in targets on the team. Except for that one Danny Woodhead outlier, every year he's had a guy 6'4 or bigger be the top guy in targets. And T.Y. is 5'11 and Paris Campbell's 6'1". And Michael Pittman Jr. is six four, and Jack Doyle six six. I kind of like Jack Doyle's prospects this year. Uh, I don't expect Michael Pittman to come out and lead the team in targets this year. I'm not saying that, but uh, I'm hoping to get two years out of Phil. He said he wants to play two, even though we only signed him for one year. And the the word around town is that the team wants to extend him for a second year as soon as possible as well. So I think we'll see two years of uh, of good old Phil. How do you feel about that? Does that make you feel good? I've got to now. He's my quarterback, you know, <laughs> uh, about the Terrell Owens gif, uh, you know, crying about uh, Tony Romo. He's my quarterback. <laughs> right. Because I've not been a, a, a very big supporter of, of Rivers, but he's, he's been, you know, he's been an enemy of ours. And, and a lot of it stems from there was a game that he played in Indy where he was hurt. And I had tickets to the game, and I was there. And he was in street clothes just yelling at the Colts fans and being a jackass. And I didn't like that. But now I'm thinking if that was my quarterback 
and he's not even playing and he's yelling at the other team's fans, I'd be like, hell yeah. You know, so I've heard that he is one of the best locker room guys that there is. Um, I think with that strong, strong running game and us drafting Jonathan Taylor and having the best offensive line in football, that he won't be relied on to throw for 4,500 yards. Um, So I don't think he'll need to be um, that good. and uh, I'm excited. I mean, I, I I was not a Brissett fan. So I'll tell you that. So uh, I'm happy that we got him. Good stuff. All right. Um, yeah, you mentioned Michael Pittman Jr. That's like my top rookie uh, value pick, at, at least. I mean, obviously, I love CD. I love Judy. But uh, I really got on the Pittman train late. And I one of my bold takes before the draft was that he'd be a first rounder. And he was damn close. Um, I was I was so close, but that's okay. I, I never really hit on my bold takes. But um, all right, Polly, let's uh, talk about the Undroppables, your podcast. What can we look for? Where can we find you? Um, uh, most people know where to find you on Twitter, but uh, what have you got in the works right now? <clears throat> yeah, at Polly Sleepers on Twitter. If you go to Twitter for fantasy football, you've probably seen me because I get tagged in. Um, pretty much everything and have been around for a while. I spend a lot of time on there. I mean, you know, that's uh, one reason why the account has blown up so much. Uh, I'm in sales and there's a very, you know, few hours of the week that I actually do quote unquote work. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> I'm on Twitter probably 10 hours a day. So, you know, it's a lot of it's volume and most people know if they tag me, I'll respond. Um mm-hmm. Love to have you guys, you know, follow me and get in on uh, any questions you have about drafting, any polls you want to post. I retweet all those polls. And then the uh, undroppables. Uh, if you go to um, can'tcutlist.com, uh, that's where all of our rankings and articles are. We've got tons of great articles, dynasty rankings, rookie rankings. All of our rankings are super flex based which is something that's very unique. I don't know that we're the only ones that do it. Um, Cause as soon as you say that there's nobody else that does it, I'm, you know, someone will post something and go, well, these guys do it too, but I haven't seen anybody else do their rankings super flex. If you look at our rookie and our dynasty rankings, they're all super flex. That's kind of the, you know, the, the road that everybody's going down lately is, is doing that format. So that's what we decided to do. <clears throat> and as far as what's coming soon, We've got tons of great stuff in the works. We're going to have a uh, calculator on the website. We're going to have a team analyzer where you can put in your sleeper team um, and plug it in and get an analysis based on the rest of your league, a grade, uh, a, a positional grade, kind of let you know, you know what positions you need to target, whether you're in you know contention or whether you should – maybe uh, trade some assets for picks, whatever you want to do. And then uh, there's going to be some cool gear out. We have not done anything Patreon wise, or we're not behind a paywall or anything, but we're hoping that um, our gear um, can take off to, you know, help support what we're all doing. Cause there's about 18 guys involved in the undroppables. When you look at graphics editors, the data guys that are working on the website, the data guys that are, you know, um, doing all the next gen stats and then all of the uh, analysts and rankers. There's about 18 guys. It's really exciting. Uh, like I said, can'tcutlist.com, undroppables. It's blowing up. Like this was supposed to be our kind of, you know, beta year. Uh, <laughs> we're going to officially do a lot, but then when COVID hit and we all had more time at home, we decided let's just, uh, put our noses to it and, uh, and get going. So, uh, that's what we've been doing. That's awesome stuff, Polly. Um, we've actually, we've visited the, the link to can't cut list is, uh, definitely going to be in our description. So if you haven't yet scrolled down during this episode to our description, go there. We'll link Polly's Twitter. Uh, we'll link the website as well because we are huge fans of the website and that sounds like some exciting stuff you've got coming too. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, man. It's been a good discussion. I hope it was uh, uh, entertaining and enlightening and uh, I wish you guys success. Uh, anytime you want 
you know, me involved and you need help promoting anything that you're doing, just tag me and I'll uh, do everything I can to help you guys out. Well, we appreciate that, Paulie, and, and thank you for coming on. Uh, I agree. It was a, a great discussion and uh, we'd love to have you back on sometime. I would uh, love to have it when the rest of the family uh, can come aboard. We were short a couple guys today, so uh, uh, I'll agree to do it if you uh, agree to a full uh, a full component. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> I don't mind. Sounds doing, good. I don't mind doing the one on one. I was kind of giving you shit there. Uh, I actually it's prefer fair. two or three guys, so that's why. Uh, of course. Yeah. All right, Polly. Well, thank you. Um, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right, awesome.